0: Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle L. Frink and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at fantasyguru.com. Yes, indeed. Fantasy Sports Daily here with. Uh, oh my God, we got music still going on. This is so exciting. The- it was so exciting here to be p- part of uh, the show with Rich Moletto. I'm having echo. Rich, my God, are you hearing double sounds or is it just me? I'm so excited. I'm hearing myself in my eardrums.
1: I am not. You actually sound really great. Um, I'm not hearing an echo.
0: Oh, wow. Look at that. Okay. Well, I get... Okay. Well, I tell you what, this, this was a professional start to the show. Uh, Kyle Frank is gone and six seconds in, I've already ruined the entire show. <laughs> uh, I am Ray Flowers Kyle Lepic is <laughs> again He's away on vacation right now uh, He'll be back I guess on Friday That's at least the plan here uh, Rich Moletto from FantasyGuru.com Is going to be with me for the next 45 minutes Hour whatever it might be here So we're hopefully not going to miss a beat For all of you We're going to do what we normally do Again I'm Ray Flowers You can follow me on Twitter At the Ray Flowers. You can find me on threads and Instagram And all those spots And that is Rich Moletto. Rich now that we're back on track I'm so worried about you feeling comfortable And your first show doing this with me and I'm the one that screwed it all up, so that's how it goes. Occam's razor, I guess. But uh Rich, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, thank you so much. Like, I, I feel feel really giddy, man. Like, I,
1: I feel pretty honored to, to be on here with you. I've been looking forward to this. I know we did a, a short little pod last year for, for the draft guide, and I told you I hoped one day to do a pod or a stream with you. So I'm really excited and looking forward to this. And hey, don't worry about my comfort level. I, I work outside of comfort zone all the time, but uh hey. You already do a better job with this technology. So I'm not judging over the music and the echo because I it, can't figure it out.
0: It's I got it figured out now, but it's so hilarious. We had, we're talking about the, before the show about technology and Rich was like, you know, accidentally hit his microphone once and, and I'm, I'm smooth sailing, right? Everything's locked in, everything's good over here. And then the show starts and I'm the one that screws it up. So, hey, man, that's just how it goes. We're going to, we're going to be better the rest of the way. Uh, Rich and Ray here. Again, uh, fantasy sports dailies uh, obviously at eleven o'clock Eastern Monday through Friday. Again, Kyle will be back on tomorrow's show. Uh, Rich and I are going to kind of follow the similar, you know, path that we normally follow here on the show. And so here, let's throw up our our kind of quick rundown. Uh, we're going to talk a lot of Thursday night football, uh, some, an injury update uh, on Amari Cooper, and how that might impact the uh, the Browns' offense. We got that this morning, so we'll talk about that. We'll look ahead to Saturday. Rich and I aren't the biggest let's set lineups a week in advance kind of people, right? But we'll take a look a little bit at the Saturday football game. We'll talk about the quarterback position, which in general is down to the point where Rich and I are pulling our hair out because we're trying to decide whether people should be playing Tyler Heineke or Nick Mullins. Uh, We've we've been doing this for a couple of weeks. Now it's a disaster. Injuries all over the place. We'll talk about that. The weekly streamers article that Rich writes over at fantasyguru.com. We'll hit on that and some of the players that are mentioned there. Uh, And then you see the promo codes FSD20 gets you that 20% discount on all the products at fantasyguru.com. And then if you want to sign up for the DFS package, now through the Super Bowl, it's $50. So you get all the fantasy football DFS coverage. That's articles, live streams, coaching breakdowns, all that kind of stuff. And Rich, I know there's a lot of people that are still in the finals this week in fantasy football in the seasonal aspect. But the idea that those people could transition over to DFS or even the people that have been knocked out you know, spend some time with us the rest of the way through the Super Bowl playing DFS. It's a lot of fun.
1: Oh, for sure. And and let's not downplay playoff leagues either. Um, I've been taking a couple of questions in discord about folks already looking forward, where can they play some playoff leagues? And we've always had content on that in the past, but I'm with you, Ray. This is especially as like, for example, Hard Rock has the app in Florida now. So for those folks that have been in Florida, haven't been able to do sports betting, Now's an opportunity to do a little bit of dabbling in onshore legal sports betting. So I'm all for it. It, it, this is the perfect time. I know Jeff likes the bigger slates for DFS. I have a lot more success with the smaller slates and it's probably because I'm not a very good DFS player, but I find the smaller slates, especially during the playoffs, a major, a great opportunity to play DFS to do some of the sports betting. So I'm right with you. And honestly, 50 bucks for now i'll be shocked if you paid that 50 bucks and you didn't win that back or at least double up i really would be
0: yeah and it's a great way also to just get introduced to the product at fantasyguru.com maybe you maybe you just found the show here maybe you just found jeff show on SiriusXM. xM maybe you stumbled across us on social media whatever it might be it's kind of good like teaser uh, for what you'll get you know obviously if you sign up with us for next season as well Let's dive into some of the action here. And and I, I jokingly said, and, and you and I have gone back and forth offline about this a little bit, Rich, the fact that, you know, I get why people want to set their lineups early in the week. You get why people want to set their lineups early in the week. But, you know, the fact that, you know, someone asked a question on a Wednesday morning and then they asked the question on a Friday morning and then they asked the question on the Sunday morning, it's like, we need information. And one of the biggest topics the last couple of weeks, of course, is Joe Flacco. And we have the Thursday night football game between the Jets and the Browns. Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco. 40 passes every week, 300 yards, two touchdowns. Like the numbers are great. We knew that Amari Cooper had a foot issue, right? He was hobbling around a little bit on the touchdown he scored the other day. And okay. We got news from Tom Palacero this morning that the team is hopeful that Cooper will play. Talk to us a little bit about Cooper and Flacco now, because Flacco's outlook drastically changes, obviously, if he's going to be without his number one wide receiver. Talk to us about those two guys. You know it's interesting because we did have a Flacco game where
1: Cooper really wasn't playing much. If if we go back to was it the uh, the game he took over after the concussion or the game Cooper, yep Cooper, Cooper kind of left the game and we saw Elijah Moore really fill in. That was the game we saw the A dot for Elijah Moore just kind of skyrocket right. So I'm not I'm not as worried about the okay. Let me back up a little bit. I am a bit of a Browns fan, so I, I have to understand my bias in all of this, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I push people away or towards things because I, I my fandom, you know, like I told someone, I'm not grabbing Dustin Hopkins. I get he's the number one kicker. I, I've had such bad mojo with Browns kickers, I didn't want that mojo on my team type of thing. Okay. Silly, it's stupid, it's not necessarily a logical way to approach. What I'm getting at is I'm not as worried about Cooper from a Browns standpoint, I think the Browns can get away with Elijah Moore filling in that role and them turning to um, either bell who we've mm-hmm. seen actually make a couple of splash plays or Tillman Tillman's been on the field a lot. Okay. Well so, so I think the Browns can get away as far as this game goes. And let's be honest, if there's two Browns players that are really looking forward to this game, I think it's Elijah Moore and Joe Flacco. I'm not big into the revenge narrative for the most part, but those are two players that if I were them, I'd be a little chippy about this game, especially Elijah Moore, right? I mean, he was kind of basically just jettisoned. You know, Flacco was, I mean, if I'm the Jets, I'm probably more wishful I kept Flacco around, given how the season has gone. But I'm not as concerned in that regard. I think Moore can step in. I think Flacco will be fine. This is a tough matchup anyway. Like, I think the whole 350 yards, 44 attempts – we may want to temper that a little bit. Maybe he does start approaching that 30-40 attempts range against this defense, but I think it it would be smart for the Browns to lean on the Joku and the Browns running backs in the passing game than it would be because I already was concerned about Cooper facing Sauce Gardner. Like, I mean, as handsy as Sauce Gardner is that Cooper struggles with that type of coverage anyway. So I was a little bit concerned with Cooper coming into the matchup. So honestly, if I'm a Cooper owner. I'm kind of hoping he's not playing so that that headache, I don't have that decision of a headache. I don't have to make.
0: What, of, what is the if you let's say Joe Flacco is your quarterback 15 this week, hypothetically, if Cooper Please. is out, how far do we drop him? Given everything like do we drop him a spot or two? Is he just now out for you? I know you said you think the offense can still work. But what about Flacco in particular?
1: Honestly, I don't think he moves a whole lot for me. I, I do think that 15-ish range, and I heard you and Jeff talking about it on air yesterday. Um, I think that's probably the right spot for him. I don't know that I would move him up or down, regardless if Cooper was in. Like I'm not, I don't think he's such a difference maker for this offense and Flacco overall that it's a big mover for me. I mean, he's without his starting receiver. Sure, I could, I could take it down a notch or two. But like I said, you, that first game. Cooper really wasn't a factor, and I thought—I mean, it had people betting on Elijah Moore the following week, and mm-hmm. Elijah Moore has been nothing since then, right? So, right. I, I think fifteen, regardless of Cooper plays, is probably a good spot for him.
0: We we have a, an interesting scenario because the you know we've all we I have I think you have too we've like bashed Atlanta like what the hell is the coaching staff doing? They're not using their weapons, all of that. In the case of the Browns, you have a coaching staff that has completely changed what they're trying to do. And you've got to give them so much credit, right? It was 26 passes, 27 passes, 26. Now it's Joe Flacco time. We're throwing it 40-plus times. They lost all their offensive linemen. I they lost Nick Chubb. They have totally revamped the offense. You mentioned the guys in the backfield, Hunt and Ford, obviously, uh, at the top of that list. What do you think with those two this week? Because it's like you know, Hunt really seems to need to get in the end zone. He's not a dynamic guy at this point. He's beat up physically. Ford's got a little bit more shiftiness he's a little bit more involved all that kind of stuff but he doesn't really produce much on a weekly basis is this a scenario where you said lean more on the running backs are you thinking that the running backs like Ford catching five passes this week if Amari Cooper is down are you talking about them having to lean more just on the rushing attack because of the matchup with the Jets I look
1: hats off to Kevin Stefanski and the staff I, I see a lot of Browns fans bashing them throughout this year and I question their sanity because between the injuries and, to your point, the changes they've had to make, like, they really do deserve kudos. I mean, this is a whole – this is the best the offense has looked all year, and it's a complete 180 from when they signed Deshaun Watson, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my my opinion, if I'm the Browns, I don't think you're going to run well on the, on the Jets. Like, Jerome Ford has not produced well enough as just a pound-the-ground kind of runner. He needs to be – Really, Stefanski should kind of look at what the Rams and Kyron Williams have done, in my opinion. Kyron and Jerome, to me, kind of, they're similar style backs. I think Kyron runs with a little more power and a little more, I don't know what the, he's smarter. Like, he sees it a little bit better, so I don't I don't want to say that they're the same guy and, and take credit away from Kyron. But if you look at how the Rams use Kyron, who's also not a very big back, and he's used... They have no problem throwing to them seven, eight, nine times a game and then the following week not throwing to them at all. Right. It kind of depends on the game script. That's what I think the Browns should do. I think the best way to to get the Jets defense back on their heels is is to slow down that rush. Right. I mean, the the, their strength is is bringing pressure. So I, I feel like the best way to do that is screens, quick dump offs. Uh, quick slants, little things like that, but you got to be able to spread them out and use your running backs and your tight ends to kind of keep those linebackers and safeties off the line a little bit so that you're not, you know, forced into making bonehead plays. I mean, that's what the jets are going to do. They, they're, they're very common to what the Browns do, what the Ravens do. I mean, the Browns should have an idea how to battle this because they, they face a pretty good defense every day in practice. But I think, I think the running backs need to be more involved in the passing game. And you're spot on with Kareem Hunt. He's going to get his 40% touches, but if he doesn't get in the end zone, his 3.7 yards of carry just isn't going to do much for you. And Ford, look, if we haven't gotten a touchdown from him, he's we've been lucky to get 8 to 10 points. And last week we got that touchdown. It was very Ty Chandler-esque. But between the two of them, they had, what, 17 or 21 yards and a touchdown. I mean, that was it. So – if Cooper, especially to your point, if Cooper's out, you better find a way to get some other playmakers involved. And, and maybe maybe we're downplaying Cedric Tillman's role in all this if Cooper is out.
0: we got a question in chat from Taylor, um, Rich, saying, I, I have Cooper in my flex currently. Do you guys like David Montgomery or Mr. Ford better? Here's It's one of those questions, again, we knew it was going to come up. Let's just address it. We don't know if Cooper's playing. <laughs> we don't know. We're going to find more information, blah, blah, blah. We know he's not 100%. Okay, it's a short week. What do you think? If you had to choose for your flex, are you going Cooper, David Montgomery, or Ford?
1: Okay, let's just assume Cooper's active and healthy. I'm still going Monty. Now, I will say this. Please, Taylor, please tell me you're, you're not actually playing Cooper in the flex. Since Cooper's a Thursday night play, I just, I really hope you're not putting them in the actual flex spot. But of these three players, I'm going Monty. And I And I know it was on your show sheet for today, Ray, but... I don't want to jump the gun here, but Monty's been getting 15 to 17 touches a week. Like, I don't know how you just, and and he's the red zone guy. It's not like they're using Gibbs inside the five yard line. So personally, I don't, I mean, Monty's got to be a top 20, top 24 play
0: for me just about every week. Like, I don't know how you sit him, period. All right, we'll cut, and we will circle back to that game, that Saturday night game here in a second. Uh, thanks for the question, Taylor. He mentioned he's got Diggs and AJ Brown, and I, my response would probably be the same as as you, Rich. Getting a league that plays three wide receivers, like these two wide receiver leagues are so bad. You're all you're doing is hurting yourself. You put a great team together yeah. and you can't play your players. So, uh, but yeah, obviously, oh, speaking of that, since Diggs is is there, you know, I, he's got Brown and Diggs. What are your thoughts on Diggs? Jeff and I talked about him on SiriusXM yesterday. That shows the Elite Sports shows three to five Monday through Friday Eastern Time we both said, look, we know that it's been bad. We know that Diggs is struggling to get 50 yards and all that. But we both said, if we have Diggs, he's obviously a start. We're not even questioning it. Would you question starting Diggs this week?
1: No. I, I, I'm i in the championship in the league. And Diggs has been in my lineup since the bye week. And, uh-huh. and we've taken plenty of questions uh-huh. on him. And I get that. But I he's still getting target volume, Ray. I mean, if you watch the game, it's hard for you to – it's not like Diggs is disappearing. It's not like you don't see them out there either. Even balls that, you know, penalties come up. See, sometimes people watch the box score don't realize how skewed the target and yards are with the penalties. I mean, there's a couple of times I go to the box score after watching the game and I'm like, he only had three targets? That doesn't seem right. Well, it's because four of them came off the board due to penalties. Well, there's a big difference between seven and three, right? I'm playing digs. You take the good with the bad. I've come to this conclusion with fantasy, and and I know it it frustrates people, and it frustrates my cousin. Just because you got someone scoring points on the bench doesn't mean they're a better player, doesn't mean that's the best bench play. Making decisions in fantasy is is seriously three-quarters of the battle anyway. And you and Jeff talk about it. Why have eight guys that are all the same on your roster? Like All that's going to do is create a bunch of headaches and guesswork I would rather find a way, and I'm not a big trading guy, but I'd rather find a way to combine two, three of those into a tier up. So now I know that player's locked in and so on. Diggs is in that tier up. If we go back to what he did at the beginning of the year, and guess what? What's going to happen, and you know this, Ray, you've seen it. Everybody's going to bench him that's been talking about benching him this week, and he's going to have a bounce back game and put up 28 points for fantasy on 130 yards and two touchdowns or something. And it's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen this week, all those playoff leagues we were talking about Mm -hmm. that are running through week 18 and all the other stuff, it's going to happen there. It never fails. We we get so hung up into what happened recently that I think we lose sight. And I think you baseball guys have a better understanding of this because baseball is so long, right? Mm -hmm. Like you guys joke about the droughts. Like, you know, someone's going to hit a spot here where they're not batting well. And so you either have to manage around it, but at the same time, you're watching for when you know it's going to break. You know in some point over the next couple of weeks it's going to break and you need to be willing to put that player back into your lineups again. So I'm using them. I think people are overstating the panic on Diggs personally. The Bills are winning, so Diggs isn't flipping out like we've seen in the past. I'm using them.
0: On the other side of things with this, going back to the Browns game, Rich, um, there's two players that anyone cares about. You know, We can try to talk about other ancillary options, but it's Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. Uh, Garrett Wilson, you know, starts for people because we're speaking volume, he's frequently getting double digit targets, no matter who the quarterback is. Uh, and then there's Brees Hall because <laughs> there's been questions. You know, we're at that time of year where people are struggling at the running back position, and it's like, I don't know how the hell you made the finals, or they've got six top 25 guys, and it's like, I've really struggled a couple times to tell people, Look, of the guys you listed, I'm not starting Brees Hall, but overall, don't you have to start Brees Hall, even if you're concerned about is he going to catch five passes or 10 passes? Like, the passing game involvement really has to be there for him to pay off because this team just doesn't score points.
1: I'm probably the opposite of you. I'm the guy that's going, I can't sit Brees Hall. Like, I, I'm not telling you to sit these other guys ahead of him, but I can't mm-hmm. sit Brees Hall. And, and the reason I come back to that is he he's so electric. He doesn't need 30 touches or 20 touches to be all that impactful. What they did last week, it, it it's mind-boggling because where was, where was this activity in use for the last – Three months, I mean, should have been there every work week. in the past. Yeah. He, he doesn't need. I mean, get the guy three to five targets in the passing game. Get him twelve to fifteen carries. I, I don't think that's outlandish by any means. We see other teams doing that with even folks like Jerome Ford. Will have weeks like that. And Brees Hall is way more electric than any of those running backs. And it's it's just a shame to see how they're using him. I've been using Brees Hall. I'm glad he finally came around. But I tell you what, it burned people. Up until last week, Ray, what, probably the previous four to six weeks outside of one or two weeks here or there? I mean, it It was a struggle. But I'm with you. The, the thing about running back, and you probably know this. these numbers better than I do, but I went at one point, I went and looked. The difference between, like, running back 24 and running back 36 was, like, four points, I think, yeah, three points at one more. point. I mean, we're talking – you and Jeff have said down there, dude scores a touchdown this week, and all of a sudden, he's a top-20 running back. One touchdown. I mean mm-hmm. – Forget about the days that you know CMC having 21, but I mean, imagine someone having a, a mix and having a two or three touchdown game, and all of a sudden he jumps to running back five, right? I mean, we're splitting hairs with the way these guys are being used. And I, I gotta be honest, Ray, I'm a little disappointed in the coaching and the lack of willingness to use running backs properly, at least in my opinion. I don't, I don't know why we're, we're splitting up the work they like they are, I don't know why they're not using them in the passing game more. Like, I'm very perplexed. You mentioned Arthur Smith in Atlanta. That's a prime example. I do not understand the running back usage there.
0: Well, you got to get Brownlee and Lazard their targets, and, and Gibson. You know, you can't you can't get it to free salt. Yeah, I. Right. So, and, and we were talking about this yesterday too, Jeff and I. It's like we're dopes on a couch, and it's like sometimes we we can look at this and be like, "You're not doing that right." And hopefully, the Jets will do it right and just put the ball in the hands of their playmakers because they have two of them, and they need them to do anything if they have a chance to, to win a football game, which is going to be a struggle against the Browns. Let's move. Let's leave that game, Rich, and move to, to Saturday night. And Saturday's got one game this week. Uh, it's Detroit going to Dallas. The storyline is, uh, is such that I think the spread was seven points yesterday. It's dropped to five and a half today as I'm looking at it live here. Uh, the over-under wow. is 53 and a half. Yeah, the, the, the Lions, well, Jared Goff is inarguably lesser statistically impressive on the road. Okay, It's not catastrophic, but he is better at home. The Cowboys never lose at home. They score a gazillion points. on. They set a record seven straight games to open the year with 30-plus points at home. I think they've won 15 games in a row at home. So this this is it. This is David versus Goliath in some scenarios, which is interesting because if you look at things overall, these teams are you know, much closer than that. What are your thoughts, since we don't talk about it a lot here on the show? What are your thoughts on the numbers there, the five-and-a-half point spread and the 53-and-a-half over-under for the Lions and the Cowboys?
1: It's already moved half a point in the last hour, which I thought yeah, was right. I, ba- yeah. I made a point to look right before I hopped on with you, and it was six. I checked in a couple yeah. of spots. I get a half points, not a lot, but I made note that it was six because that's a touchdown. Five and a half, you know, it makes it a lot easier to not get caught by the hook, right? So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's something to to note and why he pays the shop lines. Um, you know, you hit the nail on the head. What I find interesting is Goff is not real good on the road, and the Cowboys' defense is – incredibly tougher at home like their their home away splits are also kind of odd and peculiar so i'm with you this is like the worst or the bad side of one team facing the good side of a, of a good team you know what i mean coming mm-hmm. together there mm-hmm. um i honestly think the 53 and a half i don't know if that's gone up at all seems high um the reason i say that is i do think off is going to struggle so I don't expect a whole ton of points from the cop or the Lions side that said, Hey, you could argue the Cowboys should just thump them. I think the lines are going to play inspired and Dak hasn't looked good. The last couple of weeks, I know he had been on fire going into those last couple of weeks, but it Logan. wasn't just last week yeah. that he struggled. He, yeah. he looked a little, little rough the week before too. So, I uh, I think the points are a little high. I think it's going to be one of the best games we're going to have of the, of the weekend, though, because it's, it's two teams that have a lot to play for, right? I mean, they're both playoff bound, but they, they've they got things on the line. I mean, San Francisco doesn't have the number one seed locked up quite yet.
0: We were talking right before we went on air here, before we my tech issues, uh, about <laughs> Jamison Williams. And, you know, there's been a lot. He was drafted too highly last year. He was drafted too highly this year. Overall, he's been a huge disappointment given the draft capital. He just has. That's a fact. But he started to make some plays. And interestingly enough, the last couple of weeks there, Williams has really started to ascend in his uh, role in this offense with the Lions. Talk to us a little bit about him. And, you know, he's not someone we're saying you got to start or anything like that. Right. But there are worse options. If you're starting three wide receivers, you got to flex, you're in a deep league. There are worse options this week than, you know, throwing a dart at Jamison Williams.
1: Well, it in the streaming article, I really struggled to find a couple of receivers. I mean, for example, Parker Washington I had noted, right? Mm-hmm. The only reason I had him noted is all the injuries in Jacksonville. You know, say Jones potentially out again, um, Christian Kirk out. There's got to be bodies that step up. Well, you go and look at Parker Washington's numbers and four targets, two catches, nothing great. And you look at Jamison Williams, and I'm largely in line with how you and Jeff kind of teed it up when you guys brought him up earlier this year on air. He's kind of a one-trick pony, right? at least he was. He was the guy stretching the field. He was getting his two to three targets, maybe four on a good week. But they were all kind of long balls. You were hoping for one, two catches, and 70 yards. Maybe one for a touchdown. That's what you're hopeful for. But you may be stuck with two catches, 19 yards, and nothing, right? I mean, that was kind of the, the range. Well, over the last two games, he's seen six and seven targets apiece. His long receptions of 12 and 18 yards, and he's racked up just shy of 50 yards. So that tells me they're using him much more judiciously, I guess you could say, right? They're, they're, they're not just using him to stretch the field. They're trying to find ways to get him in space and let him do his thing. I'm not sure what that really works out to long term. You know, I'm not a huge fan of kind of these slight built receivers, but teams are finding places for them. Jordan Addison, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell. I mean, the list goes tank dealt. Teams are finding ways to use these guys. So we're gonna have to kind of readjust our thinking. I don't I don't think we're completely off, and all of a sudden the NFL is changing, and you know, receivers that are five, eight, 180 pounds are gonna set the world on fire. But I think we need to understand that we're seeing more and more of that, how they're being used. Jameson's not a bad streamer play, Ray. I mean, I'm kind of hmm. bummed I didn't notice that for the streamer article because six to eight targets, 45, 47 yards, you know, that's that's an eight to 10 point PPR day. You know, you get a touchdown in there and now you have a difference maker and he's capable of doing that. So, you know, if you're scraping to get by at the receiver position, you know, last minute Cooper's out, for example, today, and you don't have a lot of options, Jameson Williams is largely largely available in most, in most leagues.
0: We'll circle back to that streaming article that Rich wrote here in a little bit with some other names there. So you can obviously find it over at fantasyguru.com. Again, use that promo code FSD20 to sign up for anything 20% off if you haven't already. Hopefully you have already. Hopefully you're enjoying the free show here, but you're also partaking in the pay product that we have over at the website. Uh, Rich and the crew do a lot of great work over there that you're missing out on if you're not part of it. Uh, On the rushing side of this game with with the Lions and and the, the Cowboys, Dave Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs, Mr. Pollard, Tony Pollard, all three of these guys are starting for people. Like, I don't think there's many scenarios at all, although we got a question earlier. So I guess there are some where, you know, we're not starting these three guys, anything that pops. You mentioned earlier, the usage of Montgomery, anything that pops with any of these three guys, Montgomery Gibbs or Pollard that says to Rich Valetto, this is going to be a great week. Says this is going to be a scary, bad week, anything like that. Or is it just more of the, Hey man, these guys are getting their 15 touches. They have prominent roles in good offenses, and you're going to be playing them regardless.
1: I think it's more of the latter, right? Um, I don't want to sit here and say the Cowboys rush defense is super tough and you can't run on it because we saw two weeks ago. That's just simply not the case. Thank you, James Cook. Oddly enough, a guy that was barely getting enough carries to make an impact in the running game decides to torch the Cowboys who have been a top five, top six rush defense. It just goes to show you it's the NFL – there's only so much you can do prediction with game scripts and, and whatnot, and we're all still human, and coaches come up with ways to be creative, and you and you still have to go out there and play. So nothing is ever a lock. Um, I'm playing them. You know, what I found most interesting is when you pulled this up as I kind of went and, and just dug up on Gibbs and Pollard. Gibbs and Pollard are kind of the same guy, right? I mean, if you look at touches, use, all that they're very, very similar. And what I find interesting is then you go and look at Montgomery and Montgomery's still getting his 15 to 17 carries a game. It's not really used in the passing game, a target or two, but regardless if Gibbs is getting 11 or 15 touches as, as far as rushing attempts, Montgomery is still getting 15 to 17. You see Pollard getting that same kind of volume that that Gibbs gets, but you don't see anyone else on Dallas doing that kind of running, which was just something interesting I kind of noticed as I was digging into this. But I'm using all three. I'm not gonna get super creative here and say avoid this or avoid that. Use the three of them and hope for the best. I guess if of all the ones I'm most concerned with, it's probably Pollard actually, which seems weird because you got two running backs on the Detroit side. So you got to figure one could eat into the other. But I'll be honest, Ray, the one I'm more concerned about is Pollard.
0: Yeah, Pollard. You know, there's been a lot of talk recently about he's healthier now. Guys don't generally get healthy in season in the NFL, but he's fat, he's healthier now and he's got a spring back. I'm not really seeing that. I mean, he's not the same back he was the last couple of years. And no, this happens not. a lot when that backup running back gets put in the number one seat and the 11 touches a week go to 19 a week. It's hard. It's very hard because we always we space. You know, fantasy space always want the backup back because they always look better, right? They look better because they're out there with eight carries a week, and they're out there in the fourth quarter when the defense is tired, and the, there's an 18 Enough point rush. spread, and they're just ripping ho- wide open. Ho- it's different game. So Pollard just hasn't hasn't been the same guy, and I think a big difference there too is he hasn't been the touchdown maker. You know, mm-hmm. Gibbs and Montgomery, to your point, Rich, those guys score touchdowns. Pollard, you know, it's been hit or miss with that piece, even with the success of the Cowboys' offense. So that's something to think about as we sit here in Week 17. We did have a question in the the chat. Uh, from Alan M, he needs to sit one of the following players. And I bring this up because you mentioned James Cook, who is one of the options here. James Cook had the, the big workload last week, didn't do much with it for the Bills. James Cook, Rashi Rice, Devontae Adams, Amari Cooper. It's a PPR league. We need to sit one of them. Is it as simple as saying Cooper's not 100% he's out? Is it Devontae Adams is catching passes in an offense where we don't know if they're going to throw for 120 yards? Is it James Cook? Is it Rashid Rice? Who sits out on this one, Rich? Tough one. For me, it's Cooper,
1: and and it's not real close. The reason for that, I don't want to use Cooper that's banged up on a Thursday night football game against a defense that's throwing out their Sauce Gardner, who at times gives everybody a headache. So for me, I have no problem sitting Cooper here and looking forward to the weekend. I I know Aiden O'Connell didn't throw or complete a pass after the first quarter, which is absolutely mind-boggling, but I – Look, if he's that bad, then just throw Jimmy G in. Like, I mean, e- either that's going to improve or I guess he's already a, a dead man walking the coach because he's in an interim role. But I can't I can't sit Adams. I know Cook was disappointing last week, but the four games before that, he had been league winners. So I'm using Cook. And honestly, Rice's last week, 8, 9, 10 points in a PPR was okay. But if you go back and look in the last three games, I believe he's got 50 targets. three or four games 50 targets and 38 receptions he is the leading receiver in that offense and i get kansas city's offense has been meh but i'm not sitting rice right now so james cook and rice are automatic for me i'm using them i'm taking the good with the bad i can't i can't play cooper over adams I, i am i'm worried about cooper in this matchup and he's dinged up as it is ray if i'm wrong i apologize but i don't see 250 or even 150 going to cooper today tonight
0: Rich Meloda, Ray Flowers here on Fantasy Sports Daily. Again, Kyle frink has gone. He'll be back tomorrow on Friday. We're here every day, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, you can obviously find the show as well. Maybe you're listening right now uh, that way, in fact, on podcasts. We've got, got it set up all over the place, so you can either watch us here at youtube.com slash Elite Plus Network. We post the video of the show and the audio, obviously, over at fantasyguru.com every day. You can also find us on Pandora, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. So check out for Fantasy Sports Daily there. Uh, We talked a little bit earlier, so we switched gears away from the two games to more of a broad look at Week 17, Rich. Uh, We talked about the quarterback position. We talked about Amari Cooper and Joe Flacco on and on and on. So we've already hit on that topic. We didn't hit on the Russell Wilson news yesterday on the show because it legitimately happened. The report broke like one minute before the show was over. So we didn't get a chance to talk about it. Uh, Obviously, everyone knows by now Russell Wilson uh, has been removed as a starter. It's a financial decision. It seems like his career with the Broncos is over. Stidham is in now as a starter for the Broncos. Talk to me and the listeners about Stidham and the offense now and what your thoughts are there with the entire Broncos scenario because there's a lot of people at FantasyGuru.com that had Russell Wilson as the, either their one or their two at the quarterback position, and he was effective without being great, and those people are now scrambling here in championship week trying to find a quarterback replacement.
1: This isn't a cop-out, but if I had Russ Wilson and I didn't, you know, Flacco's not out there, um, I guess you could take a stab on Nick Mullins. Pick up Jared Stedham. I mean, I I don't have high hopes, but I do have hopes that he can manage the offense to at least the degree that Russell Wilson was. I mean, more and more reports are coming out that Wilson and Peyton don't get along. He's not, Peyton doesn't like what he sees. They went out and added Stidham early on. I mean, I grabbed Stidham in a couple of deep leagues because there were questions on Russ. People were thinking Russ is cooked, not that Russ needs to cook, right? <laughs> so, um, I you know, I don't think you're going to set the world on fire with Stidham, but, I mean, I don't know, Ray. I think it's reasonable to expect 15 to 17 or 18 points from
0: Stidham in this offense. Yeah, and I, it's tough. I think that, and we've talked a lot about this previously going – Team quarterback, which I think is something we have to consider, you know, because then at least you're not, you know, if you're the Russell Wilson person, you lose Wilson. You've got Sidham, at least you've got that quarterback, and then you can make the decision versus right. having to run to the waiver wire because, you know, there's four different quarterbacks this week. We don't even know if Nick Mullins is playing this week. You know, there's all right. these scenarios that are still up in the air. Do you want to use Taylor? Do you want to use Brissett? Uh, maybe we can talk more about that next year, especially in super flex leagues or two QB leagues. I think that's something really that, that we need to discuss more about as a community. But yeah, I think Stidham, you know, it's, it's a good offense, you know, in, in the sense that he he won't be asked to do too much. He's not going to be asked to throw the right. ball 45 times. He's not going to be asked to carry the offense. He'll be asked to go out there and do his thing. Now, we don't know with Cortland Sutton, right? He's, he's still uncertain well, to play that's this right. weekend. He's cost. Yeah, so with the cut. So, with that, you know, that is something to think about. But I think that's an issue with all the quarterbacks. I mean, we, we, we talked about Flacco and Cooper, we're talking now about the situation with the Broncos. We've got a situation with Trevor Lawrence. We don't know if he's going to play and what he's going to look like. We've got Jacoby Brissett facing the 49ers. You've got Terod Taylor in a difficult matchup as well. Like, there are quarterbacks that you could turn to this week, and people are going to have to turn to this week. Taylor Heineke, like, people are going to have to do this kind of stuff. But it seems like all of these guys have questions. It's one thing to have a question about, you know, is is Jacoby Brissett a good play against the 49ers? He's got all his weapons. In the case of Stidham, he may not have Sutton. In the case of Flacco, we may not have Cooper. In the case of you know, so you know what I'm saying here, Rich. It's a it's a difficult minefield to navigate this week when we're talking about the streamers at the quarterback position.
1: I think you hit the nail on the head. You're spot on, and I I forgot about the Sutton injury. And actually, one of the topics you wanted to discuss today was all the injuries. And I think sometimes for fantasy we lose track of. Yeah, Cooper's hurt, so we're worried about Cooper. But are we really paying attention to the three offensive linemen that went down? You know, Trevor Lawrence. Have we really? Yeah, they placed the Buccaneers last week, but they still are on their third and fourth string left tackle. Do we not talk about that? Because if you watch the game, it wasn't a problem with the lack of receiving options he had. He was still trying to find ways to dish up the ball. It was the problem that he couldn't protect himself and the line couldn't protect him. And we don't talk about that often enough, I think. So it's a really good point on Stidham because I forgot without Sutton out there. And let's be honest, Sutton has been kind of I don't want to say Russ's security blanket, but he's bailed out Russ all. I mean, you knew at this point and Jeff talked about it on air. Sutton has those numbers where it makes you nervous to use, right? Like fantasy points wise, you're happy. But when you go look at the target share and, you know, a dot and all those other things that go with it, it's like, Ooh, boy, we've been kind of lucky with Sutton. You know, if he's not catching that 70 yard touchdown, Ooh, this is a rough game for me. So, that's a very valid point. And, and, you know, I'm sitting here going, geez, Jared Stidham or Tyrod against the Niners. Like, wow, that's, I mean, he does have his weapons, but wow, that's, <laughs> especially coming off that embarrassing
0: loss to the Ravens. I don't know if I want that action, right? Well, let's circle back for a second to Trevor Lawrence, because, you know, if you're playing Bursette or Tyrod Taylor, even Stidham, like, okay, you know, like, be reasonable, right? Trevor Lawrence is a weekly starter. Right. And we can we can have debates about has he lived up to expectations, which he hasn't, blah, 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 blah. But if he starts this week, what is your confidence level in him? Because, you know, they, they're saying the shoulder's not a big deal. He didn't finish the game last week. You know, a third of the league, at least this week at the quarterback position, are just throwing randos up there. It's probably more than that. Like, where would you be at with Trevor Lawrence if, again, we get the the all all green that he's been cleared to start this week? So
1: last week, and and I'm going to be transparent with everybody. Last week in Discord, I said, regardless if Lawrence was starting, I was using Flacco over Lawrence, okay? Mm -hmm. Saturday night came around, and I readjusted my rankings or my my list and flex start sit, and I didn't publish it anywhere, but I went in a league, and I did turn around and put Lawrence in over Flacco because he's been in every week starter facing a Tampa Bay defense that had been terrible. I turned on that game and I'd never the wife had to hide sharp objects. I was so upset with myself (laughs) because for three days I was very adamant about what I was going to do. And really what hurt me upset me the most was there was no way I was going to be able to go back on discord and tell everybody I changed my mind. Right. So now I feel like I'm I'm I got a double standard. I said I was going to do something and now I reneged on it. And you know what? It bit me. Wouldn't have mattered anyway. But 30 points versus nine points point I'm getting at is. Lawrence's shoulder wasn't hurt that whole game. Lawrence looked terrible that whole game. The Buccaneers have been shredded numerous times this year by different teams. Teams that are meh for passing passing offenses anyway. So I got to tell you, Lawrence, he's got to be near where we talked about Flacco being QB 15-ish. I think Lawrence is right 15, 16. I mean, I would, even in a tough matchup without Cooper, I'm using Flacco right now over Trevor Lawrence. He has looked better. The line is beat up, and Flacco maybe throwing two picks, but he's still throwing 300 yards, and he is not nearly as beat up. He's not running around dropping the ball off the side of his leg because he forgot how to carry a ball. I mean, it's so bad. It's so bad right now in Jacksonville. Like, and, and I don't know. They're mad at the receivers. Ridley's not running the right routes, and he's the only mainstay you have left outside the tight end, Ingram. You know, Parker Washington can't get in his good graces because he either runs the wrong hot route or gets his quarterback hurt. The offensive line, like I said, I know they threw in their fourth string tackle last week. So Lawrence is down the waist. I mean, I'm not – look, I'll play Lawrence over Stidham, over Aiden O'Connell, mm-hmm. over, you know, some of these other guys. But, yeah, I mean, if you're going to throw out there to uh, – so uh, Kyler man, Murray.
0: What about Kyler Murray? I would use Kyler. I would use Kyler over Trevor Lawrence right now. We talked about Jared Goff who struggles on the road. Would you use Jared Goff?
1: I probably would. I know it's a crap matchup, but I probably would.
0: What if we got down to the Gardner Minshew David Carzo? Minshew. Uh, see, if Pittman plays, I'll
1: use Minshew. If Pittman's out, give me Lawrence. Um, as far as that, yeah, I I'm going Lawrence over. Carr. I mean, is Carr gonna finish the game? Like, I don't I don't even know what's going on with Derek Carr, man. I, I really don't. Like, maybe you can enlighten me because that is.
0: Well, I, I don't know. I can't enlighten you or the listeners. Uh, I do know that the saints are, are happy if they, if they get ahead, you know, 17 to three, they're not throwing a pass in the second half. You know, they're just going to try to win a football game. So it's tough. You need a shootout with Derek Carr. And he, he he's another one, kind of like Russell Wilson. It's like, there are a lot worse quarterbacks than Derek Carr. Yeah, stats aren't always there. He's always beat up. You don't know if he's going to finish the game. It's like, I, you know, I think Derek Carr, it's funny. He's what is it? He's, one of three quarterbacks ever for 3000 passing yards, their first nine seasons, whatever the hell it is. Like he's, he's not that bad, but to your point, yeah, I don't have confidence in starting him. Um, And I think he matters. It, it does. It does schemes, game flow, all that kind of stuff. You mentioned that earlier too. Um, A final question on this before we, we move on. Uh, Trigger finger says, Gino Smith or Trevor Lawrence, if Rich Moloto had to decide against these two disappointing quarterbacks. Which one would he go with this week? Uh,
1: I I despise both of them right now. I'm going Geno. I can't trust the shoulder with Lawrence. I can't trust the O-line. This may be one where I I would regret it later, but I'm going Geno here.
0: You mentioned, uh, you sent me a note right before uh, the show started, Rich, and and we're going to start talking a little bit about injured players, and you wanted to kind of broad picture the discussion about injuries this time of year and all that. Share with the listeners what your thought was with that comment. I... I kind of wanted to get your
1: feedback. Ray, you've been doing this a long time. I mean, and, but I mean, it, it's not, look, you're not that much older than me, right? I mean, but you've been doing this a long time and and you and I have talked off behind the scenes, you know, calculating by newspapers, doing it by hand, mm-hmm. um, setting up formats so it's easy to score by hand, all, all these things, right? And when we first started doing that, those of us that felt like we really had an edge was because we felt like we either knew where to get the info, how to get the info, or had the info, right? Whether it was because we watched the game or whatever. And this is before Sunday Ticket existed, right? So it's not like we had the opportunity to watch every game. We were at the mercy of whatever in-market games we watched. And like we had a, a rule in one of the leagues I was in, you could only go off the box score. And so you didn't know, you know, healthy inactives weren't really a common thing. Did the guy play or not play? And so if you had a zero as far as no touches, no work, it's not like they we we couldn't go to NFL.com, pull up the playbook and look at Snapshare. Like that stuff didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So you had to kind of work for this information. And we had, hey, the guy didn't play. This guy was automatically the backup or we went to the next highest on the bench. We did different things like that. We really started to lean on beat writers, I would say in the early 2000s where we were getting pretty good info. Like we would find out, hey, so-and-so didn't practice today. The team's very quiet. I saw him limping on the field, so on and so forth. We used to get some honest feedback from people's eyes. Maybe they aren't really good at watching football per se, but we were getting factual info. They were on the sideline. They were on the bike. They were warming up. The team said this. Now it's like we're getting information that is intentionally misleading. Like we are getting these beat reporters to either just be mouthpieces for the teams. And, you know, I go back to Arthur Smith getting fined for the whole B. John Robinson thing and him getting all offended about, oh, this is just creating drama. Here's the problem. And I had this discussion with my dad. You know, we were in discord and somebody won like 10 grand or 60 grand on a DFS play. Someone else won six grand or eight grand on eight grand on a bet. Okay. Mm-hmm. These things swing significantly. If you bet the under on B. John Robinson, knowing that he had a headache and wasn't going to play, that was big. And I understand a lot of these books are giving money back, but Offshore's not. And and at some point, this is going to stop. These books aren't going to just give away money. They're doing it to keep people roped in. But my point being is Arthur Smith wants to think that it's a game, and he's being all creative, and he's not showing the other team what they're doing. What they don't realize is there's vested interest from us fans, and the more vested we are from a betting and DFS and fantasy standpoint – The more in tune, the more we're tuning in, the more we're willing to pay to have five different streaming options just to be able to watch all the games. When you start taking away my vested interest, I'm not as motivated to do those things. And it's gotten really frustrating. And I don't think the team, you know, the beat reporters are being the mouthpieces because that's how they're keeping a job, right? I'm not Mm going to bite the hand that feeds me. At the same time, I don't, you know, these teams think they're being super creative. But, you know, like I told my dad, you're telling me that 100% of all the employees around the Atlanta Falcons that game didn't know that Bijan Robinson was limited in some way, shape, or form. I don't buy that. Somebody knew somewhere. And I also don't buy that they're not willing to make phone calls to buddies, to friends, to anyone else going, hey, just so you know, this dude's not playing. He's not looking well. I'm not saying that happens regularly, but I'm telling you, if I was one of those staff members, I'm not above saying, I'm not going to say something to somebody. We know these players play Fantasy. Mm-hmm. You're telling me that the, the, the other employees on the teams know? Come on, man. We got a guy that's in a, a NASCAR garage. They have different, this one league he's won two years in a row was all Penske garage folks for the most part. We see this. It's not like these people don't have lives and they're not humans. So I'm just very frustrated that we're not getting any info on any of these injuries. We're finding out so last minute. We're finding out very little. And I kid you not, Ray, back in 2010, we were being told right now, Mari Cooper's got a blah, blah, blah ankle. Mm-hmm. They think that's what it is. His odds of playing tonight are probably 70, 80%, but they want to test him out. They think he'll be a little bit limited, but we'll have to see when he's on the field. You and I would take that and go, he's playing. Look, guys, they're going to shoot it up. He might be a little bit limited, but temper your expectations. Don't expect 250. But, you know, 80 yards and a touchdown, 120 touchdowns still in play, depending on the matchup, and we're not getting it. And, and I guess my thing was, Ray, I kind of wanted to get your take on it because I know you've been a part of this circuit much longer than I have. You've been much more in tune with this. I don't know why it's changed and what's changed other than COVID happened, people got lazy, and they found ways to do the job without actually being there, and nobody seems to care now.
0: Well, we know that some beat writers do – like, they do interviews from their house. Like, they're not even traveling with the team. And that, that, that can – that's not traveling with the team. Like, that's – Hey man, um, you know I'm I, I got to drive from you know, the Rams here to like Southern California, right? I got to. It's just it's it's bad. And I think what has basically happened is everything gets outsourced now. We see it in our industry sometimes too, right? Everything gets outsourced and everything's AI and everything. And it's it's come to the point you because I we all do this. We sit, we check Twitter Sunday mornings. We're doing stardom cinema advice. There's like three people that break stories. It's like it. If it's not coming from Schefter, uh, if it's not coming from him or or uh, uh, what's his face Crappaport or like Palmer, like there's like a handful of guys that that's it. Apelisero, excuse me, that's it. And then we'll get the beat reporter will report it five minutes before the enactors are listed. And it's like you're not giving me anything. I'm, the enacts will be out in five minutes. You're not changing the ball game here no. at all. Um, so I don't. I mean, I don't know, uh, Rich. I think that there's a lot of reasons for it, but I think you hit it directly would be my my final answer would be that they work for the team and I think that the the, the days of hey I got a news story that we're going to break it here hey hey Rich I got a story they don't do that anymore they don't they no. don't do it anymore and you know how does Adam Schefter at you know six in the morning on a Sunday rip off 12 tweets that has every bit of information about every player whether they're on the Colts or the Niners or the Raiders or the Broncos how does he know all that because someone's saying hey Adam Schefter here's the in- but they don't tell their own bean riders the only guys covering the team aren't sitting there watching them. They, the, the beat writers themselves are limited sometimes at what they can even watch and report on. There are rules the NFL has put in place. The beat writers can't report certain things they see at practice. They'll get fired. So I've never understood either. There's so much money involved in fantasy, in, in, whether it's DFS or seasonal, in the betting piece. I can't believe that it's gone on as long as it has this badly. Because I, I just – there's billions literally billions of dollars at stake with this and at some well, point there's been talk of class action lawsuits with the joe burrow thing and the, the Bijan. at some point league's gonna get theirs rich they just have to i,
1: I guess what, what i find really more concerning is is what you just said there at the end there, there's a lot of money on this okay i i am a tinfoil hat wearer okay so you can you can poke fun at me and, and push back i'm not going to be offended i wonder how much Behind the scenes money is involved with some of this. Like, is Vegas getting the info that us laymans aren't? For example, is there is there compensation made somewhere that people writing the lines, whatever it is, because I can't believe that these books that have look, I don't care if I'm a high roller. I'm a, we're even high rollers is only talking thousands of dollars. These houses have millions of dollars of money backing up their lines, you know? I mean, we talk about it's a Super Bowl, one touchdown, how it skews and how much the book makes or the book loses. I guess what I'm getting at is they stand to lose a lot more than the average Joe, you or I. We can do a class action lawsuit, but the 5 or $25 that we're going to get out of the deal is not going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. However, somebody that, and I'm not above saying the mafia is involved or anything like that. Like I I get all tinfoil-esque. I go deep here. But my point being is I don't believe that they're going to be willing to not have the information and be willing to take these losses with so much money on the line. And so I'm frustrated because I feel like we're not on an evil in even playing field that folks like you and I are struggling. We are working hard to get this information. You know, when people ask me questions about players and I'm like, wait, I didn't hear about an injury. Yes, I do layman things like go Google. I go to the team's website. I click on the website's writer. Like I start digging into these rabbit holes, trying to find any and all information. Last week or two weeks ago, I was trying to find information on Alexander Madison's ankle. I could barely find out that it was an actual ankle. I had to go to the game day broadcast when it happened to find it was an ankle. Everything since then, oh, he's not practicing. He's not practicing. No information. And I don't believe that the books... Are, are taking that lightly or going, yeah, we don't need information. Bullshit. Either they're not putting lines out because they don't have the information like we saw in the Seahawks game. I don't know if you noticed that, but right up until kickoff, you couldn't find any lines on any Seahawks, not DK. That was the whole um,
0: – Who's going to quarterback? that Smith,
1: week? Lock, yeah. yeah, Geno Lock, Smith, locked playing. None mm-hmm. of them. No, no Kenneth Walker, no rushing, no lines. So you're telling me when when everybody was joking that we didn't know who the quarterback was, that Vegas pulled all their lines and wasn't going to do it, but they're fine putting lines out with all this other crappy information? I just don't buy it, Ray. I, I feel like there's something behind the scenes going on, and honestly, us laymans, we've got to be careful. That's that's kind of where I'm at with it.
0: Joel says that uh, you should pull the curtains closed and roll around on the ground tonight because you're going to get whacked, Rich. Watch your back tonight. Oh, yeah. The the wife tells me that all the time. I got to be careful what I say on podcasts. She keeps
1: telling me that all the time.
0: Uh, speaking of injuries this week, bringing it back to week 17, we, we don't know with Josh Palmer. He's got a concussion issue, so we don't know if he's going to play. We don't know with Michael Pittman, who's dealing with his own concussion issue. Uh, Josh Jacobs continues to just – we don't got a lot of info. We keep They keep saying he's okay to play. He keeps not playing, so we're dealing with that. Isaiah Pacheco's got a concussion issue. Uh, and then we've got the Jordan Addison news. We're uncertain with Jordan Addison – and Jalen R asked a question here. And this question, this name has come up over and over and over and over and over. Let's be very clear about the ankle issue with Jordan Addison, because I've seen people say this. Oh, he's been ruled out. Jordan Addison has not been ruled out. We don't know if he's going to play. Okay. I don't, I don't know if he's going to play. Rich doesn't know if he's going to play, but we do not know if he is going to play or not. The team has not ruled Jordan Addison out yet. In fact, there was a report saying the exact opposite, he's got a chance to play. Everyone's so. been asking about KJ Osborne. KJ Osborne is not usable, right? If Jordan Addison is active in my opinion. One. I would agree. Okay. Two, we don't know their own head coach of the Vikings has said any one of our three quarterbacks could start this week. We don't even know who their quarterback is going to be. Okay. Aye, aye, aye. So, so the question from Jalen says, um, you know, do I start Terry McLaurin this week for the finals on the bench? I have Noah Brown. CJ Stroud is likely to come back from his concussion this week on the bench. I have Noah Brown, KJ Osborne and Rashid uh, Shahid. So of those four McLaurin Brown, Osborne and Shahid, Who are you going to play? Maybe I should say of those three, because I don't think you're going to say Mr. Osborne. No, you're correct.
1: Um, Regardless, I'm going Terry. Tyrod has, or not Tyrod, I'm sorry. Jacoby has had a history of leaning on his top one or two guys. And yeah, he does like the tight end too. So Logan Thomas, for those of you streaming tight end, while he has been completely off the radar for the last month and a half, he should be back on. Uh, Last week's performance showed that. But I'm going Terry. I think... Honestly, I will not be shocked, Ray, if Terry has his best performance of the year from a fantasy standpoint.
0: Yeah, he did, you know, finish with a couple catches, what two catches, 79 yards, and a touchdown from Brissett a couple of weeks ago. Brissett has looked better than Sam Howell. We'll see how it goes. We can discuss whether that the timing of the move and all that, but he has looked better. Uh, okay, so I agree with you there. I'd be starting McLaurin. You have an article over at fantasyguru.com, it's your weekly streamer article. Uh, and in that, you try to, as you mentioned earlier on the show today, pick out some guys that you know maybe are out there that people can turn to. And one guy that I think it depends upon your league setup, the size of your league, how active people are. Demario so Douglas is one someone that you you've got listed there this week. And like in my league, there's a league where I've been starting him for you know, weeks when he's healthy, right? Because it's like I'm in a 14 teamer and with three wide receivers oh, and all of that.
1: He's a, he's a perfect start for you then.
0: Yeah, he is. Uh, but talk to us about him because you know that Bailey Zappi has been effective. He actually has been effective. And, you know, Douglas is catching five passes every week in a PPR setup. There's definitely worse guys you could turn to because his floor doesn't have a ceiling, but his floor is pretty high.
1: So I think, you know, people soured on a little bit because he got hurt. And then when the quarterback change went to Zappi, Zappi was kind of leaning on Parker. Like Devonta Parker has quietly become that same kind of role. He's not getting as many targets as Douglas, but he's getting that like consistently now. It's been like 44 catches for close to 70 yards. Um, so he's been in that seven, 10, 12 point range in a PPR. And Zappy seems to have, have a thing for Parker, at least it looked that way for the first few weeks. Um, but quietly Douglas has come back in the fold. And look, we know in this Bill O'Brien offense, that slot receiver role that Douglas plays, it should be active. He should be seeing six or more targets a week, right? Um, probably closer to eight targets, but you know, six to eight catches a week, 40, 50, 60, 70 yards. Um, I was shocked. So just to give you some background, Ray, what I do in that article is I refuse to use anybody that's at 40% or more Mm -hmm. because I feel, and, and I am using generic, uh, ownership percentage. It's not one site like Yahoo or ESPN. I'm I'm using another site that's polling everybody's or trying to, and I do that just to try to keep me honest. Mm -hmm. I try to find players that are less than 20% owned because I feel like if you're honestly trying to stream a body for the week. You are you are scraping the bottom of the barrel on the waiver wire, and so we should be trying to help you find some of these really, really low-owned guys. <coughs> Excuse me, Douglas. It was a lot lower owned than I thought. Like, because of what you said, and i I'm in a couple of similar style leagues, he's been hard to keep off of rosters because you're not finding, and that's what was interesting about Parker. I grabbed Parker right at the start of the Scott Fishbowl playoffs because it was exactly that. I looked, I'm like He's getting 10 or 12 points a week. Like, what happened all of a sudden? And that's what Douglas is doing. Douglas should be rostered, honestly, Ray. I mean, Mm -hmm. outside of – you brought up, you know, format. You know, outside of 10-team leagues, maybe if you're only starting two receivers, he's not worth it. But Douglas has been kind of sneaky, man. And to your point, Zappi has been effective. Like, it's amazing what this Patriots offense can do
0: when people just do their jobs. And the quarterback isn't turning the ball over four times a week. Right. Yeah. uh, Amazing. Uh, Another player listed in your article, and this is the guy that, you know, this team is without the starting quarterback. The team is without the uh, wide receiver two. They may be without their wide receiver one, again, in Keenan Allen. They may be without their wide receiver three in Josh Palmer. And here's Gerald Everett, who's catching, you know, five passes every week, right, because there's no one left. Uh, He's working with a young quarterback. He is listed in your article, Gerald Everett. So talk to us a little bit about him. And then we have a question from Henry, who also is asking – in a half point PPR, would you start the aforementioned Gerald Everett or Darren Waller this week?
1: So, interestingly enough, Everett and Ferguson are both getting like eight targets a game for the last month. I mentioned Ferguson because most people have Jake Ferguson. We don't see them questioning if they want to start. Yep. We see people wanting to start him, right? Like. Sometimes we have to talk people off like it's still the tight end. Don't use them at a flex type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. My point being, though, is if, if he's seeing the same type of volume that Ferguson is, why are we not talking about Everett in that same breath? I understand Easton Sticks, not all that, but literally go back and look. Everett's been getting eight targets a game in the last three weeks. So I get Waller's been okay, and I do think Waller with Tyrod Taylor will be better than what we've seen because the few games we saw Waller with Tyrod, he was better. But I'll be honest, Ray, I'm playing Everett over Wallard in this setup.
0: Yeah, I think that, and again, I said it kind of circularly here, but there is a scenario that plays out this week where the wide receiver one, two, and three of the charters aren't playing. Right. Like, aren't on the field. And that group behind them, four, five, six, seven, that, there's a bunch of five foot nine dudes, and it's not. They're not good. It's not, yeah. And so Everett becomes a very appealing uh, streaming option. I, I agree completely with, with Rich there. And the tight end position has been better than we anticipated. That's also fair to say. Um, in years past, recently, guys like Gerald Everett, you couldn't find a guy catching five passes a week on the waiver wire. Couldn't do it at the tight end position. You, you, that guy was scooped up for 50% of your budget in week three, right? Like that was a huge right. thing. Uh, but this week, there ha- I mean, this year, excuse me, there have been some options. Uh, if you want more options that you could possibly turn to this week off the waiver wire, Rich and I are always in Discord over at fantasyguru.com. His article is up right now. The weekly streamer article over at FantasyGuru.com is also available. We'll link to it on the YouTube page. You can see it there directly go, or you can obviously go to FantasyGuru.com. I mentioned earlier, Rich, I was very bad. I mentioned my own personal social media, the at the Ray Flowers, but it didn't allow you to mention yours. So why don't you <laughs> give the listeners where they can find you beyond the website as well? I don't know if that was so bad, Ray. Do we really want him going to my
1: social media? I, I mean, let's be honest here. Yeah, man. good, That's good point. So you, you can find me on X or Twitter at fantasy Bosco. Um, I am on Instagram, but I don't really do any football stuff on Instagram. I will say this. If you want a breath of fresh air, follow Ray on Instagram. Like I kid you not. I probably interact more with Ray there than anywhere else, Uh, but we're both dog cat people. I'm not as big of a cat person, but we're both pet people. So Ray's Instagram is just a, a, it's a blast. It's fun. So I recommend checking it out. Um, I follow Dexter as well and Ollie. So, I mean, you know, I, he does it well, but you you can see dog pictures there. That's about all I post on Instagram, dog and, and football jerseys or photos. Um, and honestly, I don't even know what my handle is on Instagram. Um, I probably have to type it out. So um, it you can find B's me on it, X. Or...
0: It's a B bazooka. What is it? I think it's Balzana. Balzana. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah.
1: I think it's Balsania. Yeah which is a, a play off my Facebook long story. I could tell you sometime, Ray, But I changed my name on Facebook to Harry Balzagna B A L Z O N J A. And there's this whole story behind it, but it stuck. So that's what my Facebook name is. So every, if you ever prompted to, to befriend somebody with that name, Ray, and there's a mm-hmm. picture of a Doberman, that is me. Don't you haven't been hacked because you've come up in mind a couple of times. And I'm thinking, Man, he's probably wondering who the heck this guy is. Cause I've gotten that before. But anyway, if you really want to find me on Facebook, you can find me there. But Twitter X is about the best place you can find me for um, for fantasy football stuff.
0: And you can find again Rich and I over at fantasyguru.com. The promo code's on the screen right now. Actually, the promo code's not on the screen right now. The promo code is now on the screen. FSD20 that gets you 20% off all the products. Football, baseball, basketball, hockey, racing, whatever it is, FSD 20. We also have that promo uh going, promotion going, even though there's no code necessary. You can sign up for the DFS NFL package the rest of the season. That's this week, next week, and all the playoffs all the way through the Super Bowl. Uh just $50 right now at fantasyguru.com. And that gets you articles, live streams, Discord, all the interactions uh for for uh fantasy in the DFS space if you're interested in doing that as well. So, Rich, I think we're kind of out of time here today. Uh, appreciate you jumping in. Again, Kyle Elfrink will be back tomorrow. Uh, really a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on. Uh, and I'll let you get back to the hard work of answering the thousands upon thousands of questions from our winning members who are in the finals over on Discord at FantasyGuru.com.
1: Hey, don't downplay your role there, Ray. You have been amazing. The last two weeks, three weeks, you have been in there so much. I, I have been – I've gotten burnt, and I've been in there less. And thank goodness you have stepped up because I am thoroughly impressed with the amount of questions you have hammered out and answered in willingness to, like, I just gave up. I told people I'm done. Your start sit on Tuesday, Wednesday, don't, because I've given up so much bad information on Tuesday and Wednesday on it. I'm just not doing it. Like I I can't handle the guilt I feel on Sunday answering those questions. I spent a lot of time on Friday writing the start sit Mm -hmm. and to raise point because of the lack of info. I don't think you guys realize how much time I spend on Saturday updating or trying to update it because of the way it all works out. So the idea of doing it Tuesday, Wednesday, but Ray, thank you so much for having me on you. You and Kyle are so good at this and I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun for me getting to be able to talk shop with you. Ray has been just a a true pleasure. So thank you so much.
0: You got it again. That's Rich Milano. I'm Ray flowers. Thank you again, Rich. Uh, Kyle will be back tomorrow. Uh, And you know, we'll continue to hammer out the best options for you in week 17 as you push for those championships. And if you're next week, right, you're still playing in week 18, whether it's DFS or seasonal stuff, we're still going to be here. The show doesn't go away. You know, we're going to be here all all next year too. That's the plan in 2024. Uh, Tell a friend it's free, all that good stuff. Use that promo code FSD20 to sign up as well at FantasyGuru.com. I'm Ray Flowers for Rich Mileto. This has been Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.